Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report with Michael Hunter. I am your host at Pecone 36. I got a real treat for you guys today. I have uh, uh, Harold T. Little, who is the father of McDonald's All-American. Uh, Nasir Little, who is a North Carolina uh, Class of 2018 signee and is having, uh, right now, a wonderful, wonderful offseason heading into his freshman season. How are you doing today, T? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Um so I first learned of, of Nasir during probably his sophomore season in high school. Um, probably a, a 150 kid, a top 150 kid at the time, hard worker, uh, not as highly regarded as he is now. Uh, and then as his shot kind of developed, he kind of blew up a little bit. Uh, what changed uh, as far as recruitment of your son for you and your family, and what, how did the experience change for you as he started to climb the rankings? Um, I don't, to be honest with you, Mike, it kind of came like in small waves, mm-hmm. but, um, once, um, like, cause it kind of seems like all of the schools, they wait and see what one other school is doing and then they'll kind of dip their toe into the pool and, and get things, um, going a little bit. But, um, once he, like you said, once he started to develop and his development was apparent, more schools started coming more schools started calling, reaching out, and so on and so forth. And then it kind of reached this little bit of a, a fever pitch where it became a bit overwhelming after <laughs> a while, <laughs> you know, where you're getting calls all day, every day. Everybody wants your time. Everybody wants you to come on an official visit to their campus, regardless of where they are in relation to where you are. Mm-hmm. And it was just everybody trying to get a piece of you and everybody trying to make their pitch um it became a you know you started to kind of hear some of the same language all the time mm-hmm. and and we started to say recruit speak recruit speak recruit speak yep. and uh you know you just hear the same things um and even if the words are different the premise is the same sure so I would say that was really um, what changed and what we noticed. So was what was uh what what stood out to you in particular? You initially set up five visits: uh, Miami, what? Arizona, Duke, uh, UNC, and Georgia Tech. Um, yep. What stuck out to you in particular with those five head coaches? Um, do you want me to do them individually or just kind of generalize? Or just I mean, however you want to go about it. Okay, no worries. Um, well, I will say this: like across the board, for the most part. Um, they all made their pitches for how they saw Nas fitting into their programs, mm-hmm. how they would use him, and what they would allow him to do. Um, another common theme amongst each of the five schools that were um, finalists, I guess, for lack of a better term, was that um, was that they would be successful. Mm-hmm. So how much success they would have with him being a part of the program. I hear you. And uh, regardless of what kids say, they all say, well, you know, I just want to get with the program and get better and develop. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be in a program that's going to be in the NCAA, so on and so forth, and and, and being being competitive. So I think that was a a big selling, a common selling point between all of them. Now, um, I'm going to start with Georgia Tech because I do know I do know that that's um, part of the fan base in which, you know, which you kind of serve, I guess, more so than the other ones. But with Georgia Tech, it was really honestly and I said this on the um, on the board quite often, 
but it was really more so about the relationship with the coaches there. Mm-hmm. And 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 even though I have a great amount of admiration and respect for Coach Passner, it was our relationship with Coach Daryl LeBerry, to be honest with you. Sure. Just because he was Nas's lead recruiter. Mm-hmm. And um, just the relationship we had with him, and it was these small things. It wasn't anything very large or anything that was looming. It was just little small, nuanced things Mm -hmm. in our relationship with Coach LeBerry, and then to a degree with Coach Passner. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that stood out above everything else in Georgia Tech and the specter of going in, um, of being – um, and I, this is going to sound so bad, but being the featured player, I guess, yep. um, even with returning experience. Sure. So that was something that was um, that was kind of appealing, not necessarily to me, but to, to Nas. Sure. You know, well, I mean, he, he obviously has aspirations to go to the next level. So, Right, right exactly, exactly. Um, so my thing was just like him being happy. And when we talked about it, when he was said, dad i, I want to visit uh, georgia regardless of what i do georgia tech is going to be one of my visits mm-hmm. and um and and that i think that was one of the things that stood out to him with the others um i think some of it was um geography like arizona was a geographical thing mm-hmm. um not having spent a lot of time out west and um their pitch like when they did their in-home it was, it was, it was impressive. <laughs> it was, it was impressive um, with um, how they laid out their plan and then showed us their their past, how you know how they recruited, sure. and it just matched perfectly with what they were what they were telling us, you know. So it didn't seem like any sort of smoke or anything like that. So I think that was that. And then um, um, our, his recruiter for Arizona was Coach. Um, coach um phelps yep so um so you know just a really again it was relationship thing um with duke um hmm let me let me try to find the right words uh um it was i don't want to say legacy yeah but (laughs) But it was, and it wasn't like everybody says, "Oh, the brotherhood, brotherhood, brotherhood." And it wasn't that at all. It was more of a thing with um, the history of Duke. Sure, if you want to go and, to the tournament, you go to Duke. Exactly right, <laughs> and the um, and the success that they have, and it seems like Duke has easy success. Mm-hmm. You know, because people don't hate you unless you're good, and Duke has <laughs> always, you know, Duke has always been good. Yeah, I'm guilty. And, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, and and so I think the specter of that, it wasn't the, you know, like this whole uh, this aura type thing, Mm -hmm. but it's like, hey, I want to be I want the chance to be a part of something that has been historically good and that trends to be good all the time. You know, regardless, you know, like like, uh, you know how you see the memes on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And people say 26 preseason national championships. (laughs) You know, you see that type of stuff. And and when people joke and do memes and stereotypes, man, it's based in some truth, you know, and and, and that was true about Duke. So the specter of that was really, really appealing and attractive. Now, Um, 
Um, go ahead, Corey. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no please, Mike. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say it was. Uh, I want to bring up the AGC uh, AGC article that came out, uh, I believe, about a week to ten days ago, um, that basically said that uh, Nas's decision to attend UNC was somewhat of a business decision. Now, does that have to? Obviously, that means uh, exposure to get to the next level. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Was it style of play as far as how UNC likes to get out and run, whereas a school like Miami or Georgia Tech tends to, you know, score in the mid sixties and not really get out, run, display athleticism and things like that? All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there were a couple of things when I guess when he says business decisions, where it wasn't just necessarily about the the style of play. Now, the style of play was a major part mm-hmm. because everybody likes to run, and and because of the faster you're going and the more possessions you have the greater opportunity that each individual is going to have to score and put up numbers and stuff like that. So obviously that's very, very important, but um, it was a business decision, I guess. So, so to speak um, with regards to, as it is with some of the other, I guess, blue, blue bloods and everything where it's like, you're always exposed to scouts, whether they're Mm -hmm. in the gym or not. So the exposure is things like, Hey, I'm going to be seen. I'm going to be on a big stage all the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, I guess if you juxtapose that with Miami, more so where Miami is successful, they have a good program, mm-hmm. but it but it's still not on the level that Carolina and Duke would be. Yeah. Because like when you say Miami, regardless of that, now for people who are basketball heads, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they know because they follow it all. But it's not the same if you say Miami, that people say, oh, man, that's a basketball program. They're not going to say that. Right. Regardless of what's, what Coach Larenega's history is, what he does with the program, how far they get, and maybe unless they win a national championship. And even then, it won't be the same. Sure. So, you know, so with that, when he said business decision, he looked at everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but then it also came down to, like, the whole FBI thing. And I don't, I don't mean to, you know, kind of foreshadow anything but that led into it being a business decision because with everything that's surrounding that regardless of how untrue it is it's still an element and it's still going to be something that people bring up so so let's say even though all the stuff is untrue right Mm -hmm. if he if he were to go to miami or arizona it's always going to be that thing, that Absolutely. black cloud over its head about, well, he's only there because he got paid or he asked for money, so on and so forth. So that went into it as well. And I know that's the thing about other people's perceptions, but to a degree, that's still important as well. Um, so everything that you mentioned in regards to style of play, how quickly they get up and down and how best to kind of um, leverage his skill and ability um, all the other, you know, existential things kind of surround it as well, too. So, uh, since you brought it up, <laughs> um, the, the, the one thing where I initially, I guess, where we started conversing about a year ago, um, one thing I admired was when allegations were thrown around, you kind of went on the offensive on social media, on, on many different uh, forums, and flat out denied any wrongdoing by your family at all. And the media coverage was so intense and so all-encompassing that it, it, you almost like you guys couldn't get your hands around it. And then it came out that uh, that Augustine, Brad Augustine, who runs One Family Hoops down in Florida, said that he basically spoke on your not on your behalf, but kind of put a front out there and then just pocketed all the money for himself. And you guys mm-hmm. never actually did anything wrong. Um, was there a sense of vindication with that? Um, I guess. 
I mean, big picture, I'll say yes. But um, the one thing, the one thing, I guess, how I kind of feel about that is because we know we didn't do anything wrong. Brad was still a friend of the family, you know, so you hate to kind of (laughs) see, you know, bad things happen to good people. Not necessarily bad things, but you hate to see people going through shit that's kind of difficult and Mm -hmm. You know, because he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good dude regardless of what you see out there. And um, the one thing that I never want to do personally is that I don't want to turn a person into something that they may have done. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't want to do that. I just look at the singular act, at you know, on its own merits, and then I don't judge the person, but I do judge the behavior, mm-hmm. and just be like, "Damn, dude, that was messed up," so on and so forth. Right? So. Even that stuff came out, it more, I felt like it more supported what we were saying. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, Dad, he has been saying that. Now, we came out on the offensive, like you mentioned, without even having had talked to Brad. Mm-hmm. You know, so where it was like, we didn't get an explanation of anything. And, you know, my discussion with, you know, within the family, with my wife, with my son, was more so like, the only thing that makes sense for 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 based on what we see in the FBI, um, Alec, you know, charge sheets and indictments and all that stuff like that, is this is what I think happened, mm-hmm. and this was especially true when you have people being alleged in these documents that we never even spoke to. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. You know what I'm saying? So when you say Jim Gatto, I don't even know what he looks like. I never <laughs> seen him. You know, I never seen him in my life. And I think I met Merle Code once when he worked with Nike. He came here to the Jacksonville area to work out at Potter's house or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we spoke, hi, I'm Harold Little, I'm Nasser Little's dad, and nice to meet you. And that was it. And even having met him back in 2015, if you showed me a picture of him today, I couldn't say, yep, that's him. So taking all of that and you know and then having it come to i guess come to a head right now with all the the new or updated charges and stuff i'm just like okay so now I'm, i hope that people don't just stop reading for the stuff that came out in september right. and october yeah. 2017 and now read this update this updated stuff and say man i i guess the little family was telling the truth but there, there's we never going to be as much happen. coverage of that of that side of it, you know. You know. Right, we know that's not happening. Um, so you say, uh, you know, Augustine was a family friend. How do you respond to somebody like Pat Forty, who says he's the most dangerous man in college basketball? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think that is probably one of the greatest examples of hyperbole I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I, I just. <laughs> I, I just I, it sounds like a good tagline, mm-hmm. but it just but no, that's not the case. Yeah. So uh, trust me when I tell you this, Brad is not going to be the person that brings down college basketball mm-hmm. like so many people probably want to see. I just don't believe that he that he's the holder of that type of information, you know, to to just kind of turn everything sure. in college basketball on his head. So yeah, that that's hyperbole. You know, at at his, uh, he at got his a lot of clicks with that headline high. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. So up to that point, I think when the story broke, you guys had taken two officials, one to Chapel Hill and one to Atlanta. Um, yep. And then the news broke, and you guys canceled. Um, one thing that became interesting to me was when uh, Darius Baisley, the Syracuse commit, recently de- decommitted and announced he was going to the G League. Um, 
was the G League ever an option for you guys? Um, never. And it, it never came up in any discussions um, whatsoever. I, I think um, when you have high-level kids, I think, to be honest with you, just in, in my you know small interactions with these kids being in the all-star events and stuff like that and just kind of being you know on the outside kind of looking at them interact with each other Mm -hmm. they don't think they don't think about the g league i think i think there's a bit of a stigma attached to the g league where you can play basketball but you're not good enough to get to the highest level now now, i'm I'm not saying that's what it is Mm -hmm. i'm just saying i think that's how the kids view it and all of these kids, anyone from the from the top 20 to the top 30, think they're the best kids in the country mm-hmm. and that they are future NBA players. So it doesn't even cross their mind about the G League. Mm-hmm. The G League is for everybody else. Okay. Their, le- their league, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, it's an, and from my interactions and from what I've seen and even talking to Nasir, that's not a viable option because their goal is to be professional basketball players. Right. And and that's not a viable option. That's a detour for somebody who's not as gifted, I guess. And I know that sounds kind of arrogant, but I'm just being real, you. you know, I'm being real about what I, what I believe they think and what I, and how I believe they feel. No, that's for someone else, but that they're not me. So they have to go that route. I don't have to go that route. Yeah, have you have you heard it uh, spoken about more often lately with the current, I guess, landscape of college hoops as far as uh, coaches being implicated or anything like that? You know, it's a situation where a kid can still play basketball, he can make money, but he's not going to get wrapped up in possible sanctions for something he may or may not had anything to do with or anything like that. I mean, the NCAA has kind of created a headache for itself, whereas the G League is you just go play and make money. Yeah, that's true. I, I haven't heard that personally. But I'm pretty sure it's kind of, you know, it's it has to be mentioned amongst the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what I have heard more than anything, or something that people are view that I think some of these um, high-level players are viewing more viably than the G League, is potential to play overseas somewhere. Really? And I think kids are looking at that as a more viable um, option than the G League. And I think because not necessarily because it's better. But because if it's if it is all about the money, they have if they're a top level, they have potential to make more money overseas than in the G League. How would uh, how would you feel about Nasir going overseas at eighteen to play professional? You know, you know something, Mike. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not averse to it, especially being retired military mm-hmm. and having lived overseas before. It ain't no big deal to us. For for us, if that were something that we were looking at, it would be an easy thing for us to do because. We've done it before. Right. <laughs> so living in England, living in Spain, living in Japan, you know, all these different places around the world, that's nothing new to us. Right. right. So um, now I would be averse to sending him over there by himself and saying, hey, you're 18 now. <laughs> go enjoy. Go enjoy Latvia, whatever it may be. You know? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I would be averse to that. So it would be something that, you know, that if that were an option, I would have to go with him. And on top of that, it would have to be for a significant amount of money. Sure. It wouldn't be like, hey, we got a hundred thousand US dollars, come play in some yeah. far reaching place in the world. Nah, man, it, it has to be like some real money. Yeah. I hear and you. right, but then on top of that too, to do that would 
be counter to what Nasir's dreams are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he, Nasir's a kid who, because um, he didn't start playing basketball until he was 13. Mm-hmm. You know, we were living in England and we moved back to the States and when we got back here, that's when he started playing basketball. And so when he thought that he could be good, you know, he said, well, the only thing I want to do is kind of help your mom out. I just want to get a, I just want to get a scholarship anywhere. I don't care. Mm-hmm. That was his goal. And then as he evolved as a player, then his goals start changing. So, sure. you know, that, that's how that worked. <laughs> but his, but his thing is, you know, I want to go to college. Yep. Even if even if it is for a year, I want to go. Has he uh, and, has he mentioned being a one and done? Um, we've talked about it. If if it's a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, the plan isn't to be one and done. It's more so about if the opportunity exists, mm-hmm. you want to take advantage of it. Sure. So, so let's say he goes into Carolina and he lights it up. Mm-hmm. He's the the best freshman ever to go through UNC Chapel Hill, it's right? High bar, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, and you know, opportunities are presenting themselves for him to be a, a top five pick. My thing is, as a father, I would be, I would feel foolish to tell him not to. Sure. Because it's like, okay, you're you're making your your window larger to play professional sports if you get in there younger. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, take advantage of it. But but it's just it's all circumstantial. You know what I'm saying? If it if it can happen, I don't. There's nothing wrong with taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But then, but we're gonna act and work as if we're going to be there four years and then see what happens so that's more of our plan hey we're going in with the mindset we're going to be there four years and then we'll see what happens after each year nice nice i, I like that answer a lot actually uh, kind of open-ended but uh but uh i you know i i think that's the same answer i would give you got to strike while the iron's hot and i think uh, i think that you guys have a good plan laid out um now you mentioned you know the top 20 top 30 guys all think they're the best player coming in their class um when you when when the crc's guys like I, i'm of the belief that rj barrett is the best player in the class um i have often compared nasir little to zion williamson um and i call it basically hype versus reality now nasir has made me look brilliant um with his uh with his, <laughs> his showing in the uh in the mcdonald's game as well as the uh the jordan classic um <laughs> Does he does he use that as any motivation? Because he's still ranked number ten by ESPN. I think he is. I think he's the second best player in this class, quite honestly. Um, wow. Does he use that? Does he use that as any motivation? Does he think that he's the best player in this class, and does that drive him? It, it does. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give a qualifier, Mike. Mm-hmm. You'll hear all these. It's it's, and I'm telling you all out front, it's a lie. All these kids will tell you, oh, you know, rankings don't matter. No, that, <laughs> that shit matters. That shit matters to all of them. Yes. <laughs> right? So now, now that being said, they um, don't necessarily focus on it like I'm doing what I'm doing just because I want to be ranked here. Mm-hmm. But when people compare them to their peers, they look at their peers and, and like, this is Nas's thing. So he'll be like, Dad, what the hell does he do that I don't do? And he and he'll say he, I can do everything that he does, but he can't do everything that I do. exactly. 
<laughs> so, so he uses that. He was like, you know what I'm saying. So if they want to, if they want to keep putting him up there, I'm gonna show them. Mm-hmm. So he, so he does use it as motivation. Now he works for himself because he has goals and everything, but he can't help but feel slighted when people make comments that say, "Oh, well, this kid's not as good as this kid." Right. And then, and then when you, you know, kind of put their film. Or what you know they can do side by side. Then I was like, why is somebody going to say this about me when I've shown that I can do this? When I've shown that I can do that? Okay, keep um, I'll, <laughs> keep um, kissing this guy's butt <laughs> while I'm over here working, and then you know, and then maybe you'll see, or maybe you will come around. But if you don't, I'm just going to continue to pound the pavement and make things happen, even if you don't want to give me my credit. I mean, because we're we're human, mm-hmm. and we all want to be the best at what we're doing, and it just and it kind of sucks when people aren't giving you the credit you feel you deserve. So, and, I, and yeah, short answer, yes, he does use it as motivation, and he does think he's the best in the class. So it makes sense. Uh, highly, uh, highly motivated people make for uh, highly aggressive and competitive natures and things like that. So I assumed as much. Um, I kind of did feel bad because I was. Uh, spouting a little nonsense on Twitter during the McDonald's All-American game. And, of course, <laughs> Zion gets injured uh, on a play where Nasir is actually guarding him. And um, I just kind of shut my mouth after that. But um, hopefully it's, it's going to be interesting to see them go head-to-head uh, in, yeah. uh, in Chapel Hill and Durham this year. And something I'm really looking forward to. I'm actually – I know Nasir is going to be successful. I feel pretty good about that. I'm really interested to see how Zion um, adapts to the college game. Um <clears throat> Hey, Mike, may I, may I add something to that? Absolutely. Hey, with um, one thing I will say about Zion, though, I don't know. People don't really know him. But I'm going to tell you this. He's a good kid, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he yeah. is a great freaking kid. And I think because of his hyper-athleticism mm-hmm. and the notoriety that he gets because of that, that people undersell his skill. Right. And, um, and he's a lot more skilled than people give him credit for being. I've never now, seen him live. I, you know, I, I've never seen him take a jump shot. To, right. To be, and, you know. and, and, and you probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> you probably won't. But, um, but, and, and he'll, he'll readily admit that he needs to get better with his jump shooting from mechanics to consistency and all that good stuff like that. But there are other parts, little nuanced parts of the game that, that, Zion, his basketball IQ, to me, from what I see, is off the charts. But people miss that because they're so captivated by the dunking and all sure. that stuff like that. But if they were to take time and look at these small things that, that he does, like if he's in the post and and he needs to, you know, kind of maneuver to get to the best, his footwork in the low post, his feel for players around him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm telling you, the kid is a savant with that type of stuff, and people miss it. Yeah, he's a he's a better passer than people give him credit for being. And his and when he's pushing that ball, just to know how to use your a person who knows knows how to use his body. Mm-hmm. That that's Zion, man. That that kid is a lot better than people give him credit. For oh, being. absolutely. I mean, I I, I you know I, I I bag on him. I don't really bag on him. I just I guess I just I think that. He's he's ranked second in the country because he's a phenomenal YouTube sensation. You know what I mean? He's created so much hype around himself that I think certain um, services kind of buy into that. Whereas you got kids like like I like the Langford kid, the uh, Romeo Langford. Yeah. I think is a fantastic oh my, player. Oh my god! 
and yeah. Quentin Grimes mm-hmm. and Quentin mm-hmm. Grimes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I want to move on real quick to sure. um, where you actually committed to, and that's Chapel Hill. Uh, <laughs> Things are things are interesting when you talk to people that aren't UNC fans about Roy Williams. Um, <laughs> he's kind of portrayed as like a, like a hick, you know, like he should have a piece of wheat hanging out of his mouth and some, <laughs> some of his mannerisms, some of the way he talks. Uh, what's your impression of Coach Williams? Oh man, I mean, if people, I think people get wrapped up in the in the accent, and mm-hmm. he is Western North Carolina through and through. <laughs> But he's a very smart man. <laughs> and and I think I think people, once again, they have this perception of him. And what are they basing it on other than the way that he sounds? Right. Because you hear, dang, gum it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and all that type of stuff like that, you know. And, and people kind of get wrapped up in that. But he's a very smart man. And in addition to being smart, he's very, very genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't think of any interaction that my family has had with him where he hasn't been, you know, upfront with us. And uh, I don't even go back to this again, but like when this whole FBI stuff came out, Mm -hmm. right? Just um, how he talked to us and what he said to us. And he was like, I mean, I didn't call him. He called us and he was like, hey, I'm just telling you now, Harold. I believe you guys. I have no reason not to believe you with the interactions and everything that we've talked about, you know, what you told me you feel even before this came out, the discussions that we had, I'm riding with you and your family and there is nothing changing about how we feel about your son. So the two people who said that was Georgia Tech and North Carolina. <laughs> now, <laughs> now <laughs> you're breaking my now, heart, man. You're killing me. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fact, man. That's a fact. Now, now after everything broke, other schools called, but it was more of like, yeah, we're back in there now. Hey, you know, not about right. how are you guys doing, but see what happened. Now we're here. Come, you know, was come it more jump trash talk than anything? You know, it was kind of implied. Yeah. Trash talk was implied. So there, nothing was explicit. You know what I'm saying? It, it was all implied. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I'm smart enough to read between the lines. Sure. Um, so, but with Georgia Tech and Carolina, they were like, hey, nothing. We are not backing off one bit. We, we believe you. We trust you. And we're going to, and when you get here, we're going to do everything to make sure that people understand that you and your family are innocent. <clears throat> nice. And, and, it, and it goes back to discussions that, that, that we had with each one of those staffs, right, for Georgia Tech and Carolina, um, where I can't remember how, how the discussion started with Georgia Tech, but our thing has always been, if you're a school and you even hint that you want to do something that's illicit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then as soon as we get a hint of that, we're, you're done. There is no consideration for your, your program at all. All right. And when I mentioned that to the coaching staff at Georgia Tech, you, man, you should have seen the size of relief that they had <laughs> when we said that. And it was just like, oh, my God, Mr. Little, you you have no idea how happy we are to hear you say something like that. Because now we know we're ready to roll. Right. So that was the, you know, the prelude to all the FBI stuff coming out. So for them, it was a no brainer. And it was the same thing with Carolina as well. You know, we had, I mean, just haphazardly had that conversation about people trying to pay kids, you know what I'm saying? Or right. trying to, to give them impermissible benefits. And because we had that discussion before, you know, it was like, they were like, yeah, we're, we're riding with the little family. You know what I'm saying? I do. I mean, so, so that's how that all worked out. Very genuine. And, and, each of the staffs are 
you know, extensions of the head coach. You know, yeah. I, I, I can't say enough good things about Coach Patsner or Coach Williams. So, you know, hey. Yeah, so you know, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about Coach Roy Williams about about how he 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 wins because he gets talent. That he's not a great in game coach. Well, you don't win three national championships without being a great coach. So that's right. that's kind of where I stand with that. Um, <clears throat> since since you brought him up by name earlier, I've got to ask. Um, I've been fairly outspoken with how <clears throat> the NCAA handled some allegations uh, against uh, Coach D Lab Daryl LeBerry at Georgia Tech. And he, was, he recently resigned. He's actually coaching AAU right now. Um, where he was the lead recruiter on Nasir, did you ever pick up on any shadiness with Coach D-Lab at all? Not, none, at, none at all, Mike. And to be honest with you, I still don't know what the allegations against him were. I, I still don't know. I, I've heard some, some stuff, um, which leads me to believe that the NCAA is just such a corrupt organization in my eyes because the player involved goes to a very prominent school. But, that's again, that's just hearsay on my part. But I, I just I, – I wish it would just come out so we would know what actually happened. <clears throat> right, yeah. And that, and that, I think that's the extent of what I heard, that there was a, a, um, a 2017 recruit mm-hmm. – that, go, that goes to a prominent program within the conference. Now, that's what I, from what I understand. Yeah, I have no right. idea if there's any truth to that. <laughs> right. But but the thing that kind of got me about that was that there were rumblings and rumors that when it first dropped, that it had to deal with Nasir. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, I was like, I was like, what the hell? And then, <laughs> and then T goes on the offensive on Twitter again. <laughs> I have to. I know you. I'm like, okay, this is getting too much. Everybody, please read. It's a 2017 recruit. This happened a year. This happened a year ago. This happened a year ago. So you know, and it's just like, oh my god. It's just like now. Anytime something happens, it's going to be that program in Nasir look. You know, and and I can tell you, Mike. I'm going to tell you this, man. Everything that Coach Darrell did with us was above board. And to be honest with you, it was to the point where anything he was doing with us during our during, during our official visit and our unofficial visits that we were always talking about compliance. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me let me check on this to make sure that we're not gonna you know that we're not getting into any, any muddy waters and stuff like that. Nothing. Yeah, he you just he just that? doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that that goes against it. And I just I, I just I'm really interested to see if I and I may never know what actually happened, but. Uh, I'd love to find out someday. Um, in, in in the recruitment process, I'm sure, especially after uh, Nasir blew up like he did, uh, you must have been exposed to huge personalities and a number of them. Who was the uh, who was the most interesting personality that you came across through his recruitment? Uh, you mean like from any of the college programs or yeah, in general? Just in general. I'm, I'm down for anybody in general, man. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to tell you something. I'm pretty sure you know this already. You know that there are a ton of characters in this basketball world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, the I don't want to say his name and I don't want to say I don't want to say the program that he's associated with. However, I will say there's a guy that through this whole thing that I met um, from um, a a very uh, classic program in one of the older Power Five conferences. Okay. And uh, and this dude, it's like 
anything you talk to, like he would just call me every day <laughs> and would just like like to talk to me for an hour about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but he presented it in this way that everything was about, hey, you know, I'm doing this. I got this from here. I'm doing this. Hey, what about this? We should do this. And it was just like every time you ran into him, it was like on some some gangster shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, dude, what the hell is up with this dude, man? I mean, he was nice enough, but it was just like some of the way that he presented things was just like, I don't know if I really want to be around this dude, man. Right, because a little I just feel like, yeah, I was just like, I'm feeling like, I don't know if I'm anywhere with him, I'm gonna have to have like some bulletproof casing around me or something. <laughs> this dude, man, he, he he sounds a little bit shady, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was him. Um, coaches, uh, the coaches are pretty buttoned up, man. Yeah. So it's you know they don't they don't have like. They don't have like the personality like uh, like Coach Williams would have, mm-hmm. so they're all pretty much they're pretty much the straight men, like head coaches anyway. They're, they're the straight men, right? You know, but uh, I mean, players. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, it's so many interesting people, and a lot of times it's not necessarily the programs, man. It's like the people and the characters that you meet in the AAU and travel world. Sure. You know, because my brother, I have a twin brother, and he's kind of living vicariously through me a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, so when I'm, like, lamenting about the things that we've experienced, I'm telling him, dude, I, I'm I'm going to start a podcast and just call it Chronicles of a Basketball Dad. <laughs> and, and each week, talk about the type of people that you meet on the AAU circuit and in the, and in the basketball recruiting world. Because man, they just, the people just trip me out, man. And is it is every, it just incredibly shady? Is it as bad as everybody says it is? <laughs> I, I think it's not quite that bad. Yeah. But everybody's searching for clout, mm-hmm. so everybody is trying to tell you what it is that they do in the basketball world and how many connections that they have. Sure. Because I'm like this. Because if you really, if you believe people when they tell you the connections that they have then everybody should have exactly everything that they want right because because everybody's connected to everybody <laughs> if i hear if i have to hear the term oh yeah so and so that's my guy <laughs> every time i hear that i cringe because it's just like and and it got to the point where where we were getting really really tired of it and i would meet people and a, and a name would come up before they could finish. I was like, oh, let me guess. He's your guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And then they would start trying to explain to you how they know him. Right. You know what I'm saying? It just, that shit just tripped me out, man. I was just like, <laughs> how the hell do you know everybody so well? Right. Is, is there anybody you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on to me. It's been a uh, it's been a long time in the making, and uh, I'll uh, I'll probably see you in Chapel Hill at some point. I uh, I live right in the middle of the triangle, so uh, I, I appreciate you making time for me today, and I'll let you get back to your hard work. Okay, <laughs> no, not really. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, T. All right, thanks, Mike. Take care, man. You too.